Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling show. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. I hope you've all had lovely weeks. I hope you checked out the episode that dropped in the week as well. And again, that's on all kinds of audio devices. It's on what Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell they're calling it now. It's on. It's basically on the rest of podcasts is based on everything but Spotify. We won't get into it. That's just Spotify for you. And also you can check it out on my YouTube channel too, which you just search for Simon Miller or you can go to YouTube.com forward slash the meta report rules and if you want to follow me on twitter instagram you can at simon316 and especially because it ties into today's episode if you can support me on patreon at patreon.com forward slash simon miller 316 which is my name with the 316 at the end i would greatly appreciate that because it allows me to do all these things to begin with and also it allows me to get actual patrons on the show which i always love and today making his debut on the wrestling show but certainly not a simon miller podcast um debutante is my man and JR, JR, how you doing today? Um, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Good. Almost tried doing an actual JR accent, but you know it's five o'clock in the morning here, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> I would have, I would have liked it, man. <laughs> I would have appreciated it. Now, uh, I mean, look, for people that are, we'll call it the Simon Miller Cinematic Universe, as we're going to talk about that later. Uh, JR has gave us an absolutely incredible rundown of the Kingdom Hearts series on the gaming podcast, so you should absolutely go and check that out. But much like most people that are gaming fans or rock and roll fans or comic fans, again, they all watch wrestling, even though they pretend they don't. Of course they do, so he's back on to talk some wrestling uh, today. We'll start with the... Yeah, it won't be that timely by the time everybody hears this, but we can't start a show uh, without mentioning that Harley Race passed away. Um, I'd imagine that a lot of people listening to this may not even... I'm, I'm sure you've heard the name Harley Race, uh, but I certainly don't expect everybody to know who he is. I mean, if you just started watching wrestling in the last... even the last sort of, you know, five to ten years, it's not like he was ever a major staple of WWE. But safe to say that, you know, he was a pioneer in pro wrestling, he's a legend of pro wrestling probably wouldn't have pro wrestling as it was today if it wasn't for people like Harley Race. You know, work with the likes of Ric Flair. I mean, he was just trailblazed NWA, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he was the NWA champion, he not only did he come across as legit, but, you know, he was one of these old school traveling champions that went everywhere. And when you find out how much he loved professional wrestling and how much he gave to it and how good he was too, there's no way that you can't at least respect him. It's, um, and look, you know, he was in his 70s and he was ill. So there is a, a certain amount of, well, unfortunately, that's life. It doesn't make it any any more fun. And it was one of those that when I saw it on Twitter, actually, WWE tweeted it out. And when I saw it, I don't know about you, JR, but it's one of those ones where I read it twice. Mm-hmm. Because again, you know, it's going to, I guess there's a bit of self-reflection in there as well, because you kind of realize that we're getting older too. And you're like, oh my gosh. But yeah, when you, when you see the name like uh, Harley Ray's passing away, for me, and I understand, it won't get the kind of coverage that, that these people would but it's it, it is very equivalent to like a hulk hogan or rick right. flair obviously they transcended wrestling a bit more but in terms of the wrestling industry harley race is right at the top of that list um i i'm gonna have to take your word for it because unfortunately uh like you said i've only gotten into wrestling within like the past five ten years so i actually uh the first time i heard this guy's name was this announcement and when i've 
dug in a little bit after that, I was like, oh, wow, he really was uh, a big figure that I just I because I'm much more new to wrestling uh, as like a big fan. Uh, it kind of surprised me. But yeah, no, again, man, you, you, you I don't buy into this. You know, there's this thing that you have to be a wrestling historian to enjoy wrestling. No, you don't. No, there, there, there's no, there's no rule to that, and there's every chance that he did escape you because you know you you have a life to live, yeah. and you're under no obligation to go and do a degree in in pro wrestling. Um, but yeah, it, it is one of those ones which was um, it's it, it's big, and if you do go watch any of his matches, hey, they may not even stand up today because the wrestling scene changes so much. Even matches from the Attitude Era don't really stand up today but we couldn't do a wrestling podcast um without talking about it and we have now talked about it the other thing i do want to talk about from a news point of view just hilarious the the wrestling world we live in today this may be confirmed by the time you hear this it depends when there's rumors now that wwe may may hot shot it before raw which is where the original angle was going to be but at this year's SummerSlam. It is going to be Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, which I understand sounds very confusing if you've been watching WWE TV and there has been a, a match announced between Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. It's not happening. It is a ruse. Unless things change all the time. But right now, too many people have reported on this for it not to be true. And it kind of stands to reason, right? Because Dolph Ziggler has been mentioning Goldberg's name on TV. A lot of people assume that may tie into uh, when uh, WWE goes to Fox in September. But... Uh, October, I should say. But it doesn't seem like that's the case at all. It seems like they're going to, I wouldn't say rush it, but do a very, very quick build uh, to, to SummerSlam. I would guess this is to make up for everything at Saudi Arabia and fair play to Dolph Ziggler. Absolutely the, the right person to, to do it with because Dolph Ziggler will make anybody look right. good. Dude, I'm excited about it because as I've said a, a million times on this show, I'm a fan of nostalgia. Plus, no matter what happened last month, I'm a big fan of Goldberg. Always will be, especially because he's my dad. But dude... Give me, uh, give me sort of get your your perspective as well. I mean, do you like this? Do you not like this? Do you think WWE is going back to the well one too many times? Um, I mean, I I can't say that like when I saw this that I was totally blown my socks off, but I was like, you know what? That's probably going to be a good match. I really dig Ziggler. I think he's um one of those guys that's always been around, and although he's never been like truly top of the card, he's always kind of been solid always uh turned in a really good performance and you know goldberg is always fun i mean he was kind of the first uh big wrestling match that i uh paid attention to when i was first getting into wrestling a few years ago uh back when he squashed uh brock lesnar in like five seconds I loved that though. I mean, that was, that was the most Paul Heyman thing. Oh, ever. it was an but, awesome match. Like, and that was the first. I think that was the first pay per view I've ever seen. So, yeah. Well, I mean, again, what, how, I, we probably talked about this. Well, we can't have done. So, what did you think though? Because obviously, a huge, a huge reason that took so many people by surprise is because it was Brock Lesnar, right? right? It was Brock Lesnar. It was. It was. You know, you don't. He, he's the man that beat the Undertaker, and you know he's overpushed by WWE. If you want to take all the inside of things into it, so it was just constant. You know, basically, nobody, and I mean nobody, one hundred percent. If anybody, anybody says otherwise, no one predicted that he would lose that quickly. And the people that say that are the people that just like to pretend after the fact. It's not true. But again, if let's say that you know that is one of the first things you've seen. Mm-hmm. What, what's your what's your reaction to it, dude? Because you are going to have a completely different you know, thought process to, to some other people that have kind of, well, yeah, again, seen Brock Lesnar go and win 
at, at WrestleMania 30 and go from there and destroy everybody. Well, I mean, this this may have just been the fact that like I was not as familiar with who everyone was at the time, but I I loved it. Like the fact that the fact that I was like so surprised. Um, I mean, just to give a little bit more backstory about sort of uh, when I was getting into wrestling. What was that like three years ago now? That's 2016, Survivor Series 2016, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm a wrestling nerd, and I remember. <laughs> so either like the night or two nights before, like me and my roommate were just hanging out, trying to find anything to watch on Hulu, and we came across the fact that the WWE channel actually is on there, and we were like, you know what? Neither of us have watched wrestling since we were like real little kids. Why not like throw it on? And it was the go-home show of Raw just beforehand, and it ended with the big face-down between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, and they had a huge line of security dudes in between all of them. And we were just laughing our asses off because of how ridiculous it was that you would need just this army of security dudes, and even then they got ran through like tissue paper. (laughs) I I love that as well, because when you actually take a step back and think about it, it's like, who's employing these people? Yeah. (laughs) These people people have one job, and they're really, really bad at it. And then, so, when you you have that big of a buildup, even if it was just one night for me. And I was like, you know what? I will sign up for the WWE network. I will watch this uh, Sunday night. And then it finally gets there. And literally my roommate left the room to go like change the load of laundry in the basement. And I was like, okay, yeah, well it will just have been starting by the time you get back. And it was already over. And I was just like, dude, you missed the whole thing. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, man. I love it. So, yeah, honestly, I I thought that was amazing. And um, I, I didn't see the actual, like, fallout at uh, WrestleMania that year. But just that one match was just like, you know what? This thing is so silly. I think I'm going to stick around and keep watching it. So, well, there you go. So, I mean, I, I would say that it probably divided people down the middle. Right. You know, there were the kind of and look, you know, your opinion is your opinion. I thought the just personally, I thought the the oh, why have we given you know all of Brock Lesnar's momentum to Goldberg? I mean, knowing that probably what was going to happen at WrestleMania 33 was going to happen. I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it created a buzz. I thought it kept Brock Lesnar relevant and it gave him a cool program through to to, to Mania. Because I think at one point that year he was going to fight Shane McMahon and nobody wanted that. Uh, and also, man, as you've just as you've just proven as well, it also. You know, it got you interested in WWE. And I mean, that may have happened anyway, right. but because it did uh, explode in the way it did, who knows, right? I mean, that's a sliding doors for you. You don't know. We go left, we go instead of right. And that's why, to me, oh, I mean, if I look over the last sort of, say, modern day, the last few years of wrestling, the um, Goldberg beating Brock Lesnar in a minute 37 or whatever it was, and then going on to have one of the best sub-five-minute matches I've ever seen in my life, period, when him and Goldberg just uh, kicked the absolute... Uh, him and Brock Lesnar, sorry, just kicked the absolute crap out of each other. It, it, you know, it was one of those things. It just made me happy. It made me excited, and it made me want to, again, chat to wrestling fans about it. And I would presume, even though you came at it differently because you were just getting back into it, it did the same kind of thing because you probably felt that atmosphere and you probably felt that aura. And I think that's why... Well, you know, tying into the, the, the story we were just talking about, I think that's why it was so bad at Saudi Arabia, taking concussions and stuff out the side, because we don't need to see Goldberg versus 
Undertaker. We need to see Goldberg versus somebody he can absolutely destroy in two minutes. And that will be Dolph Ziggler. It's been Dolph Ziggler's character since he debuted. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what we need to see. And I understand the idea of a dream match. But even when they announced Undertaker versus Goldberg, I was like, that's not really something that's high on my list of things I need to see. It's cool to see this coming together of, of two people that I remember from my childhood. But I would have got more out of seeing, say, Goldberg versus Jinder Mahal. I genuinely mean that. If Jinder Mahal had got in the ring, ran his mouth, Goldberg comes out, spear jackhammer, properly, you know, sold really well and looked super impactful. I'm enjoying that a thousand times more than, than, than what I did see. And I think that's the real, you know, that's, that, that's the real trick of Goldberg is to the classic Paul Heyman. Push his strengths, hide his weaknesses. And that's why I think it's also important for me as a Goldberg fan. I'm sure this is the same for the man himself. I think it's important that we kind of eradicate those Saudi Arabia memories as quickly as we can. Like I, I don't understand the the some people take joy in watching others fail. Yeah, I I got no joy out of watching that match, and I think if we do have an opportunity to have something, you know, have a barrier basically between that and just a really cool Goldberg match, even if it lasts thirty seconds. I'm all right with it. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, and yeah, making sure that the sort of last uh, I'm, I already hate the wording of this, but the last taste of Goldberg in our mouth is <laughs> is not a Saudi Arabia show, a show that's already just embroiled in controversy anyway, but uh, also a kind of terrible match, although I never saw it because I just refused to watch the Saudi shows. Um for multiple reasons, honestly. Also, the fact that they just don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, they really don't now, do they? I mean, I think now we've had uh, two or three. It's so clear they're just glorified house shows, and they're just there to get from, yeah, just uh, from one Saudi Arabia show to the next. I mean, out, like, outside okay. of the best in the world uh, storyline, is there anything else that's kind of like rolled over from them? I don't think so. No, I don't think so at all. In fact, it's, it, it, I mean, I... The only one I enjoyed, and I say enjoyed in huge inverted commas, <laughs> is um, the uh, Crown Jewel. Because all the controversy beforehand, obviously that I didn't enjoy that. But what I mean is WWE's answer to that was just to troll the hell out of the audience with Shane McMahon winning and Brock Lesnar getting the title back and Braun Strowman being jobbed out. It was just like watching a car wreck in the worst possible way. But at least you enjoyed it because you're like, well, it's just so nuts. I said I think I I think I enjoyed it mostly because it, again we got to oh my phone is ringing go away um sorry about that, that probably didn't come through but it rings on my Mac and it confused me um but yeah, <laughs> I think uh, you know it was just being involved in that social media frenzy as everybody was like what is going on is the only good I was able to take away from any three of those shows and I understand we've got loads more but you know yeah yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, is, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, the other thing that uh, very interestingly uh, came, actually, I'll talk about that at the end before we before we segue, uh, before we segue into, into into everything else, is uh, the Revival have started to once again tease that they are, they are not very happy in WWE and they will be losing very soon. I mean, Scott Dawson basically replied to, to a post, a video that somebody put up of them doing a move and just wrote, Arn taught us well. See you soon, double A. And obviously, Arn Anderson right now is in AEW. So 
I have no idea what's going on with the revival, but I can tell you they absolutely don't give a crap. That's one thing I can tell you. They do not care. Oh, yeah, no. Like, it's it's so obvious that they are nothing but angry and frustrated and just want to get out of their contracts. I mean, when you said that, I'm like, okay, so yeah, it's a day ending and why? The revival are unhappy with how they're being booked <laughs> on the main roster. Like, yeah, that, and the sky is blue or at least gray. Like, you know, it's, yeah, that, same as usual, unfortunately. It's just an amazing world that we now live in because of all elite wrestling. Wrestlers will do this and they don't care. They're like, yeah, but I, I've got somewhere to go. So, you know, I can, I can make all these, I can make, do all the things that nobody would have done, say, you know, in the early 2000s once WCW had died because everybody was terrified about losing their job, rightfully so. And now we're in a, yeah, now we're in a world where it's like, well, <laughs> I don't really care. I'll say and do whatever I want because I'm not happy. And I I love the fact that that's here. I mean, see, see, I think my favorite stuff has been Sasha Banks gallivanting around Japan and just being like, "Don't give a shit." Yeah, where is Sasha Banks? That's just a good point. She just doesn't. Yeah, wasn't doesn't wasn't she supposed to be coming back for SummerSlam or something? Who, who knows, man? Who okay. knows? But she she doesn't exist. And finally, uh, dude, did you see Roman Reigns trying to be killed on SmackDown? No, I actually missed that. Uh, I have not You've heard about it, though, right? I, I've heard about it. I've seen a couple of your videos. I think I've seen the ups and downs, and I definitely heard it when you were, I think, talking about it on the podcast last or who, whenever. Who but. do you think? Who do you think it's going to be? Because there is a rumor, and I couldn't believe it. Not in a bad way, in a surprising way. I have no idea. I mean, it. Uh, I, I think you said like Samoa Joe is the most likely culprit, but what what's this well, rumor? I'm curious now. I, I, and this is a rumor that has been. This isn't one of those rumors that's. Oh, uh, someone just made it up. You know, Repo a man. lot of people have said that. Oh, dude, can you imagine? I don't know <laughs> me. Who, who made it up? It was that guy. It was that bored asshole. But apparently, and again, it is just a rumor. But again, it has been collaborated by a lot of people. They are now going to start building towards a Roman Reigns Daniel Bryan program, and it's going to be Daniel Bryan who pushed the the scaffolding or whatever you want to call it onto Roman Reigns. Now, how that ties into Daniel Bryan's career altering announcement, I don't know. I mean, my worry is that Daniel Bryan comes out on SmackDown next week and goes, uh, "That was my announcement." It's like, no, it wasn't. That's the most pathetic name I've ever heard in my life. But with that said, you know, I am not against at all. Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan, given at the moment that Daniel Bryan is doing nothing and Daniel Bryan is still brilliant no matter what he does. I actually, as much as I love Samoa Joe, I thought that feud was ridiculous because, it's, you know, Roman's already beaten him. So it was like, meh, right. what's, you know, what, what, what's the point? But I quite like it. I quite like the idea. It, it sparked something in my head where I was like, oh, that sounds quite fun. I mean, I I love the idea of uh, Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan match. Uh, I think for once we're seeing... This is a match I don't believe I've seen before in WWE. No, I think it was just before. I think it was early 2016 when they did it. Yeah, so you would have um, you would have just missed it by a little bit. So yeah, I, th I think that's a great match. I don't know if this is necessarily how I would have gotten there, but you know, hey man, if, oh. if it leads to a good match at the end of the day, I don't really know if I can complain too much. Dude, I don't think this is how uh, WWE meant to get there either. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think they've just they, they've come to a, a a crossroads where it's like, well, we've got to do something 
with Daniel Bryan and this announcement, and we've got to do something with Roman Reigns. Oh, look, we can just push them all together. Um, but it will be good. Like um, the uh, actually, when was maybe actually I think Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan was 2015. Either way, when they did have their brief program, the matches were very, very. I mean, really, really good. Really, really excellent. I mean, they, I know that's because it's Daniel Bryan, but it was also a time when a few people were like, "Oh, wow." You know, maybe we have been a bit hard on uh, on Roman Reigns in terms of his in-ring work. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see it, and I think they've both come a long way, and I think Daniel Bray, he wasn't a proper heel then. It was more of a face-versus-face thing. Right, Let's. Uh, that, that's basically everything that's been going on in WWE. Sometimes we do the news at the end, and people say that makes no sense. Well, I've updated you on the news now, which is kind of dumb, because it's going to go up on Saturday, and there'll be brand new news. But I've done it. People asked me to do it, and I did it. I filled you in as best as I can. But, uh, I mean, Jay, you already touched about uh, on a little bit how you got back into wrestling, and that's cool. Uh, but you also we also had a brief conversation before before we started, and again, you know, if anybody did listen to the Kingdom Hearts uh, podcast that we did, the week in gaming, you can go back and listen to it now. Especially if you're trying to get into the Kingdom Heart games, my word, Jr. will fill you in, and then some. Yeah, but- those were two really fun podcasts, and I think uh, that's the longest I've ever talked about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, de- definitely the longest I've ever talked about Kingdom Hearts, but. You know, it all kind of ties into this sort of circle of of uh, of things you enjoy, and I fall into this as well because I love gaming, I love I love wrestling, and also I love comic books, uh, and I love um, not just you know comic books and graphic novels, but you know, I'm well on board with all the movies and the films. That again, there's this bizarre thing where if you some people have just got into Marvel because of the movies, and apparently that's the worst thing ever, and I'm like, people are crazy. That's that's how you get people in more on anyway. We don't need to talk about it. But you made a really really interesting point about how because I mean some people don't know now because they're such a powerhouse and obviously Disney snapped them up. But Marvel kind of I mean Marvel fell really badly and were oh, on yeah. the verge of, of of bankruptcy not that long ago. And that kind of marries up to where we are now with 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 wwe but i'll let you take the reins to begin with and i'll jump in because i don't want to you know that's like somebody stealing stealing a move in wrestling or someone stealing a gimmick you don't steal other people's stuff and this is your stuff so i'll let you go and then, and then yeah you, you can set the scene and we'll go from there okay sure yeah uh like i said um uh i i've only recently gotten deep into wrestling like when i was when i was a kid i would occasionally watch it and probably not for the right reasons um mostly because what i remember from like being a preteen and early teenager was the stacy keebler matches so probably (laughs) probably not the best not the best examples of wrestling but you know that was before i had a computer in my room so uh but i've always really loved comics and i got into it mainly through manga and japanese comics And as I grew older, like the more I started kind of writing my own comics and I'm actually self-producing some stuff now. So I actually like pay attention a little bit to the business. And so one of the fascinating things that I found about wrestling is how many parallels there are with comic books, especially the fact that there's always new comic books coming out like every single month and sometimes every single week. So the idea that you just need to kind of perpetually pump out content and the fact that, you know, colorful outfits are in both uh, makes a lot of sense, too. But the one thing that kind of fascinated me most about wrestling is that not only are they like comics where you're constantly kind of dealing with 
uh, fan backlash and fan reaction, but this is a place where, uh, you know, Spider-Man could actually go talk to the editors at Marvel and be like, hey, man, I don't really think this story is working for me. <laughs> How great would that be? I think we should That'd change be so good. And so, yeah, I think um, the fact that, you know, they're a thing that's just constantly around, like there's no breaks like TV shows, like there's no like summer hiatus or it's not like a movie where you get one every two to three years. It's just like, no, it's a thing that's constantly around and you have people constantly working uh, against like what the people are saying online, especially now and what the um how sales are going basically when people are tuning in or ratings for wrestling it's the same thing right basically when it comes to financials and interest the graph was going in the wrong direction i remember all of that i remember you know you you, you couldn't I, I just remember i remember all the chatter and everybody saying that the individual uh runs of comics were uninteresting and nobody cared and a lot of people crying out for the good old days right that is what was happening it was actually a parallel i mean everything that people say about wrestling right now it, wwe i should that, say that's still happening right now i mean you still have people coming out and saying that all modern comics are crap and that they want <laughs> to go back to the 90s the 80s or the attitude era whenever they were coming up and uh what they remember as kids and you know obviously a large part of this is the fact that you know they look back at all that stuff with rose tinted glasses and they only remember like the good stuff and not necessarily the bad but then i also think like at least with products now both in wwe and uh stuff like marvel and dc i think you do see kind of a lot of similar stumbling blocks I mean, if, uh, it's kind of cooled down now, and I think Marvel's learned their lesson. But a few years ago, they were relaunching so many times, uh, basically having all new Marvel, all different Marvel, all new, all different Marvel, Marvel Now, where you had three single issues of the same, sorry, three first issues of the same comic just as like different series in one year that you just never felt like you had a time for stuff to build. For stuff <laughs> and what does that sound on. like? <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Constantly feeling like things are changing right in the middle of stuff because it's not working and you don't get that nice long build that really helps sell a story. So, yeah, I, just a lot of the issues that I've been seeing um, and a, a lot of the fact that, you know, Marvel and DC are now, I mean, they're still the big guys around, but you do have a lot of companies like Image and Boom uh, coming up and kind of disrupting. And now you have a lot of creators basically saying like, you know what? I don't really want to go to Marvel and DC. I just want to kind of do my own stuff here at, in the independence what how did i I don't i mean i must have known at the time other i mean what what was marvel's get out strategy because i would say that you know because of the 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 marvel movie boom right they are probably in a better state than um 
uh, DC at the moment. You know, DC haven't really found their, their, their feet, with it, which is kind of ironic to me. I don't want to get too off, off topic, but obviously I don't think we would have had the Marvel movies if it wasn't for the three Batman movies by Christopher Nolan, right? That kind of showed everybody, oh, wow, we can take superhero movies seriously. That's okay. Well, um, I, I think I, even before that you had uh, the original X-Men movie, the original Spider-Man yeah, yeah, good point. Blade, yeah, good point. honestly, is probably the oh, first man, superhero movie did that that first one and even the second one that was by Del Toro were amazing and we never need to talk about the third one ever again. <laughs> what do you mean, man? It's really good and it did really well at the box office. Um, <laughs> hey, no, you're tri- right. Triple H was in that one, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Oh, um, you, you you're right though. Yeah, it's a good point. You you can go you can go back you can go back further. So you know, we'll focus more on now. In the sense, yeah, you know, Marvel has boomed, right? Marvel oh, yeah. bought by Disney, and Marvel Marvel has become a a, a mainstream word. Like my mum knows who Marvel are now because she doesn't watch the movies, but they just managed to trickle into her sphere her sphere of influence. So, what was the change for them? Was it just that they um, know, struck gold with Iron Man? I mean, what was it? So, with Marvel, at least looking at the comics specifically. Um, when they were having their really rough time, uh, I think I always forget like the exact year, but it was like maybe about a decade ago, when it really looked like they were about to shutter their doors. the The storyline that really rejuvenated a lot of people and got people back in was the original Civil War comic, and the fact that like, oh shit, uh, Iron Man and Captain America are going to be fighting. All the superheroes are not going to be getting along. Like. That got, that really rejuvenated and really like saved a lot of the sales. And unfortunately, um, Marvel I think took away some of the wrong lessons from it and got into this weird uh, cycle of just giant events every single summer, which also started derailing and changing a lot of storylines that were just starting to build because they had to get to you know their big event that's coming up shortly in only a few issues. Um, just like how uh, a pay-per-view can force uh, an event to like a, a storyline to ramp up way quicker than it should have. But um, it's, it's basically like the, the invasion storyline. I guess you didn't see that, but when uh, WCW and ECW invaded WWE, that should have really been a moment for W. I mean, it was different because they were coming off a boom. Right. But whereas, uh, you know, whereas Marvel with Civil War allowed everybody to look like they were a threat, and one of the reasons they worked that well, because you didn't know which way it was going to go, WWE went the other direction. They were like, no, we're WWE. You're coming in. I guess it would be like if Marvel bought DC and they went, yeah, Batman now gets beaten up by, I don't know, whoever whoever you most hate, Spider-Man. Spider-Man just beats up Batman. You're like, okay, great. <laughs> but- yeah, no, if... if- it, it will not work well if uh, they just buried Batman. <laughs> no, because there has to be a threat from either side, and that's what WWE, uh, they never did with that invasion storyline. Um, so, they, obviously, they do that. It takes off. Then, then then the movies grow, and now everybody obviously buys into the, the Marvel films. I mean, not only do they do that, we've got films through to the end of two years' time, and no one's even moaning about that. I mean, there is a small smattering of people that think we've gone too far yeah you, you, kinda, you, you always get those articles where it's like oh have we have we reached superhero fatigue now and typically it's no because another marvel movie will come out and beat avatar as the top selling movie ever but 
But it's the quality bar, right? The quality yeah. bar is so high. And that, that's what I wanted to tie it back into wrestling is that, you know, like you said, even when Marvel was struggling, they were still putting out content like nobody's business, hoping that something stuck. And again, I'm sure everybody can <laughs> make their own, their own comparisons here. But more importantly than that, you know, it wasn't... Well, actually, you know, when they actually struck on something that was good and they started to rebuild, it wasn't about putting out too much content. They could still put out too much content. You know, my point here being, if you're missing it, is that WWE puts out a lot of content. That's not to you, JR. That's to the people <laughs> listening. But again, people were desperate for more content. And also, they balanced their roster. These are terrible words to use, but I want to make sure I tie it back into wrestling. And again, like the Black Panther movie, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we never would have got a Black Panther movie, which was, you know, a problem all within itself. But it's true. Yeah. Now that we can get that and it smashes records and it's one of the best ones they've done. And, and it, it gets nominated up, for a Best Picture Award. Yeah, exactly. And it opens it up to uh, a whole new, you know, a whole new demographic and a whole new, a whole new fan. Like this is, this is the point when you have that momentum, you, you can go and you can do these things. And really, while you're operating in the same way as you did before, everybody feels like it's different because all of a sudden they are invested and they do believe in you know a thousand other things so i mean how do you i mean obviously it's not the same business not the same industry but do you think there's anything that wwe could do obviously not specifically but do you think there's anything they could learn from the marvel sort of rise rise back up to you know being this incredible juggernaut i mean do you think wwe could could use that in, the, in their own business practices. I, well, I, I think uh, look at like the just the last couple of years since Marvel has kind of calmed down with rebooting everything so much and just, you know, start like focusing down on the individual stories and making us care about everyone again. And, I'm, I, and I think a large part is stop relying on the same three guys to kind of carry your company. I mean... Everything with WWE is just an embarrassment of riches. I mean, they have so many people on their roster. Their roster is so huge, and so many of them are amazing wrestlers. Like, e even, um, like, a lot of the mid-card guys, I think, could be top guys in most other companies. But for some reason, we just keep going back to the guys that WWE wants to force down our throats. And it's like, hey, man, if... If this character is not working, let him be on the back burner for a little while, maybe job him out a little bit, and then you can sort of recraft him and bring him back. But I, I don't know why we have Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania like three, four years in a row I, when you have so many other guys that could use like a good push like that. Um, so I think really just, you know, Go back to basics, focus on story, and invest in like the largest pool of people that you can. And not not in like a 50-50 booking way where everyone comes out the same, but in a way where it's like, look, we're going to tell a variety of different stories. Um, we're going to push a variety of different looking and acting people. We're going to have our Deadpool, our comedy guy. We're going to have our serious Iron Man who's going to kind of lead the company. We're going to have our Spider-Man who could be our upcoming guy who's a little bit of an underdog. And like really kind of focus on like, okay, who are our heroes here and what is going to be the best way to make each of them shine in their own way? What, what is the way to make people care, you know? To play devil's advocate, 
and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I know that some people will be saying it out loud, so I'll try and echo them. They would say that WWE is already trying to do them. They would say that the 24-7 title is meant to be their Deadpool, that Roman Reigns is their Iron Man, that, uh, I don't know, Daniel Bryan is their, I can't think of a right comparison now, but, you know, that kind of under-the-radar but much-loved character that doesn't really get uh, shot on too much. I mean, it's not working, is the point. And again, I do think that WWE's been better the last few weeks, but I'm talking about it from a statistical ratings point of view, and they are not where that they need to be. That's just a fact from... From no matter how you look at it, like I yeah. enjoy WWE, but it doesn't mean that their metrics are, are headed in the right direction. So, if they think that they are doing that, what is it about the formula that isn't connecting? I guess is the thing I'm trying to point out. Well, I, I think it's less. Um, I well, then I think it, it's more lean on the kind of long term uh, writing instead of the short term. I mean, I. Like obviously that uh, you really like that SmackDown that just happened and it was totally rewritten in the last minute. But I think just Bizarre, right? s- stop doing that. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do agree with that. I just want to put there is a, if, if, for more on that. Uh, my point of view on it, you can check out what coach. There's a video up right now called "Why Vince McMahon Keeps Writing SmackDown at, at the Last Minute." And my my whole point is, yeah, you went two for two. And you may go three for three. You may even go five for five. You ain't going ten for ten. <laughs> because, you know, you can't focus on long-term storylines. And more importantly, you can't focus on the, the forgotten wrestlers. And that is such a disparaging term, but it's true. If you rewrite something at the last minute, you're going to focus on Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, whoever else. Yeah, the, the guys then, that come off the top of your head, like you're going to focus on them, yeah. And, and you have to, because if you've rewritten all their programs two hours before the show and you consider them to be your main event guys, of course, that's just how life works. You start with the most important people and you work your way down to those that are still trying to make a name for themselves. The issue there is that we don't get any Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Iconics match, even though it was advertised. We don't get a Daniel Bryan announcement. You know, We don't get all of these things. And they are, to me, that's the number one thing that WWE needs to rebuild is the trust from the audience. Yes. And that, you know, one, if you are going to tune in, you get a good product which ties into the marvel be that the comics or the movies but also you're going to get what you were promised and i sometimes think that it's uh you know it's it's that's not something you notice straight away that's a subconscious thing that builds and you just start to realize that wait a minute they keep saying these things i never get them and slowly you tune out as opposed to making this big you know waving my flag oh this is poppycock kind of a nonsense and that all comes back to this idea of trust you know i've only got so many entertainment hours to to spend in a week do I spend it on WWE? Well, no, probably not at the moment because I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to get. And that is exactly why you can't rewrite shows at the last minute because you're never going to be able to focus on that aspect because that takes time and it takes thought and it takes creativity. And all of those three things tie into not rushing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, you know. And one of the things that um, I, th- I think a policy that WWE should enact is more... To take your writers and like I, I disagree with a lot of people that I see online that are that say that they should fire the writers and I'm like no no don't fire the writers but instead change what they're focusing on make sure all the writers are looking at the long term stuff the bigger pictures and let the wrestlers kind of you know handle their week to week promos and stuff like that let them kind of find their own way to shine and instead focus on okay what what is this long term booking that we should be working towards i i mean i 
every time you hear fan booking online, the stuff that gets you really excited is the stuff that takes like a couple of pay-per-views to tell a full story. That's not this just, all right, they get angry at each other. They fight, they get angry at each other and fight. No, it's, it's weird stuff where, um, giant stuff is revealed at the end of each episode and things that you can only do if you're taking your time and like really looking like months, years down the lines to tell. So stop kind of focusing on making sure that certain wrestlers get the right catchphrases out or the weird stuff that some of them say and focus more on like, okay, well, where are we going in the long term with these wrestlers, with these characters, and what are the stories we want to tell with them? And I think that would work really, really well. And I think there's nothing wrong with trying and failing. Yeah. That's the big thing. And that's why actually a video is going to go up on What Culture soon about the Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins on screen relationship, not off screen relationship, and how really it didn't work and that Becky Lynch wasn't into it. But I actually thought when I was writing the script, I was like, you know what? At least they tried. At least it was something that it was happening in real life. And I thought, oh, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can paste this onto, um, onto our storylines. And it didn't work. I think mostly because in those, I find that when you have a, a a couple on television, not just in wrestling and everything, one has to be vulnerable because you, you know, that's the what you do, right? You build up such a strong relationship that one of them gets in trouble, yeah. and you want the other one to come and save them. And you know, you were never going to get that with uh, Seth Rollins because WWE has a very archaic way of looking at things. But also, you're never going to get that with Becky Lynch, because they are both strong champions. And I, you know, I, I, you, you, they didn't want either of them to look, to, to look weak, which is a shame. And that is something else that I would talk upon as well. And again, I don't need to be too negative, because I do enjoy WWE, as most people know. But there is this idea that your top baby faces can't look weak. Hence why, when they do get absolutely destroyed on TV, they come out the next week, and they're okay because WWE doesn't want them to look weak. And that's crazy yeah. to me because the best way to be to build sympathy is for people to look weak. I mean, look at Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan spent a lot of his matches rolling around the ring, climbing on ropes, crying basically because he was getting his, his ass handed to him. But that made me believe and it made me, um, it made me want to see, to see more of that. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think that ties into the comics as well, right? Like, I don't want to spoil too much, but there are certain times, if we focus on the Marvel movies, which are the, the, the more um, sort of mainstream stuff, there's plenty of times that the characters in there come across as misguided or have a negative spin to their basically good guy you know personas and it works and it makes you care about them more and it makes you have mixed feelings but it makes you buy in and i think that's the key and i think sometimes we can have the cookie cutter baby face has its place but again you know finn balor smiling all the time <laughs> isn't necessarily a great way to to get him across as a three-dimensional deep person yeah uh, oh, gosh the whole thing with finn balor i love finn balor so much and he is pretty much the only way I can get uh, my roommate to watch a wrestling match just because he thinks he's so hot. But <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's true, though. There is something to that, man. You get good-looking people on TV, people want to watch. Oh, it's yeah. true. And, yeah. But how they've just kind of, I don't know, not done anything. And I, I don't know how you don't kind of look at the demon and be like, oh, here is a really interesting story angle we could do stuff with and it's just like nah he'll just show up as the demon in a random match and we won't go through it like i i feel like there is a great venom-esque storyline to be told about the demon like slowly taking over finn balor and like driving Absolutely, him insane man. and it's like 
what what do we get of the demon? It's like, oh, he'll he'll show up at like the big pay per views and like kick someone's ass and like, yeah, that's cool, but it I don't know. I feel like there's more to do there than what we're getting. I agree. And again, the reaction to that by some people would be, well, that's unrealistic. It's like, yeah, but that's okay. You know, Bray Wyatt manages to turn the lights off and appear in the middle of the match. Undertaker's got lightning powers. It's all about, it's all about context and how you present something. As long as I can buy into it and pretend that it's real, then you've done it. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, and I, I, it worked. I, I think we're in like a post, post kayfabe world where it's like, look, we've got Joey Ryan like tearing up the indie scene with his dick. <laughs> like I, I feel like oh it's not realistic it's like yeah man it's wrestling i'm not coming here for realism like I, i'm, that, I'm coming it. here for fun yeah that ties into the jim Cornette argument which we we, we kind of touch upon here do you know the jim Cornette? do you do you, do you see jim Cornette's rants or hear about jim Cornette's rants i i mean like i hear about him but like i i don't really know who he is like what what are you getting at <laughs> Yeah, well, so he's basically like, again, an absolute pivotal figure when it comes to wrestling. We probably wouldn't have got uh, a lot of what we had today without him. Or at least he came up with a lot of good ideas. Like, he's, he's very smart when it comes to wrestling. But he is so on the whole, you know, for example, he hates Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega once had a match with a, a, an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> Which, but And I, I go the other way. I'm like, yes, I know that's ridiculous and I know that's bonkers. But the reason that I love wrestling so much is because... There's no because you can do that, and because that is okay, because everyone knows that it is quote unquote fake. You know, you can't you can't do that in any other walk of life because wrestling is basically a, a sport or a form of entertainment. Where as long as everybody involved in your angle says yes, I'll do that, you can then go and do it. Oh you know, yeah. We start we start off this podcast with a conversation that must have happened between Randy or uh, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, and Paul Heyman, where someone said, "Brock, do you mind losing in less than two minutes?" And Brock went, "Yeah, I totally get it." And you just, that, I understand that's more of a serious angle and it makes sense, but I want to be able to have that conversation. And I also want to know the conversation is going on. Can I get into the ring and use my magical dick to flip you? And someone to either go, yes, or someone to go, no, thanks. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, oh, that's yeah. all good for me. That's all good for me. As long as everybody wants to do it, I don't think that we should have any kind of barriers or obstacles. It doesn't mean that we won't go over, you know, sometimes the lines of taste will be pushed, of course, but... I want those conversations to happen and I want the lines of reality to be blurred and I, I want the ridiculousness, not all the time, but that's where the, vari the variety and the diversity comes into it. Yep. I don't just want a serious product all the time. I think eventually I'd get bored and I'd turn off. I, I mean, honestly, I and this might just be a personal taste, but I, I love the ridiculous stuff like the most. I mean, uh, I, d I don't pay too much attention to the indie scene, but... Anytime like a Joey Ryan match goes up on YouTube, I'm like, okay, watching this now. And yeah. the 24-7 stuff, I think, has been some of the most entertaining stuff to me personally, like the WWE's been putting out these past few weeks or months or however long that's been going on. And it's and, the most consistent as well. Like yeah. they, they, they they stick to that week on week. Like there is a story, there are main players, there are bit players. Like it just it just keeps ticking away. And and e even stuff like the mix match challenge, when I saw that the wrestlers were just having fun. Oh, it was great, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much more enjoyable than to watch them like choke through an overwritten promo that they're forced to cut at the start of an episode. I'm like, no, like you can you can tell no one higher up at wwe really cared about it so they were able to just let loose it wasn't overproduced 
No, I mean, totally. And uh, again, you know, that doesn't mean that it will, the 24-7 title thing, for example, go on forever. You do need to change things up. Like, actually, you know, I don't know where they're going with this Maria storyline, but I like the fact that all of a sudden Drake, Maverick, and R-Truth weren't the main players because that will run... You know that that will run out of steam. No, you, you do need to involve uh, different people in it and bring in like other weird stuff. I mean, I, uh, who who do you think uh, should be the next twenty four seven champion? I mean, it's a great. I mean, th- th- this is the. I'm going to say good, but this is the interesting thing about what is happening right now is that I do enjoy the story in the sense that who can pin maria because she is pregnant like that is a dumb story <laughs> but it's all but it's also a story where i'm like oh maybe there's actually something in this maybe we can have some twists and turns and maybe we can because you know th- th- again it just makes sense i'm not saying it's a great story but it makes sense and it makes me go i wonder how this is going to evolve over the coming weeks and months and i may get to the end of it and go well that absolutely sucked and it may just be that drake maverick pins them you know yeah. her sorry i should say and it's like, okay well that's that done but I, the, the fact that, again, no matter whether you like the 24-7 stuff or you don't, there is always a consistency to it. Where now I know next week, I know things change in WWE all the time, so I'm speculating a little bit. But I know come next week, the idea, as soon as I see Maria, is going to be who is dastardly enough to pin a pregnant woman. You know, that's it. Yeah. That, uh, and that's it. There's a story. I can explain that to somebody in 30 seconds. And I think that's really, really important too. Again, doesn't mean it's going to be good and it could absolutely suck, but there is something to that. And I'm intrigued to see, uh, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. And it is ridiculous. And that's why I like it. Oh yeah. Uh, and there are, I feel like so many weird and different ways. I mean, hell, if you wanted to really like just have it where no one is dastardly enough to pin her and then... I don't know. She gives birth and the baby rests on her chest and a referee just runs in and there you got your first baby champion because she was lying <laughs> down and couldn't get up. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> the, the the reaction to that? But hey, you know, you know why why that why the hell not? And I'm certainly not saying that I think all of WWE should be that way. I think that would oh, you know, no. absolutely kill it, but I I think the balance is important and I think sometimes they have that balance and I think sometimes uh, that they, they lose it a little bit too. But again, I don't know how you feel about it. I do think the last couple of weeks of, of WWE TV has been better, this week especially. I thought Raw was an enjoyable show, and I thought SmackDown was an enjoyable show. Like, I, it, it was consistent. There were things that tied it. Not totally, again, the, the Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville stuff just vanished, and I'm not necessarily overwhelmed with Daniel Bryan overly teasing us. But... Yeah. It, I, I am intrigued to see what they're going to do next week, which is important because we are but a couple of weeks away from SummerSlam and this is the time you do want to get momentum. So there are good signs. I'm still perplexed why they didn't do a big angle. I mean, again, I didn't think the Roman Reigns thing was the best angle ever, but why the hell didn't they do that on the Raw Reunion show? You know, why wasn't that the last thing we saw on Raw Reunion? At least then people may have been, uh, you know... Gosh. From, well, they may have just, they from, may have just tuned in from a, from a purely whodunit point of view. From everything I've heard, I'm kind of glad I skipped over the Raw reunion show. Honestly, I haven't really been paying too, too close attention to WWE since, gosh, probably WrestleMania. Like, I'll watch some stuff off of their YouTube channel, but I don't think I've watched, like, a full WWE show mm. uh, since, I think, the Superstar, superstar Shake-Up just after WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, my, my main wrestling has just been watching all of the AEW uh, pay-per-views that have been coming out and right. speaking to the fine of that. 
how, how have you, how, because obviously that's a big switch that a lot of people are making. Is it just because it's something different? Is it because it's an alternative? Is it because you prefer the way they book things, the way they look, the roster? I mean, I know we're asking a lot of the obvious questions <laughs> here, but, but you I, know, I, I mean, know. some, some people do have different like, answers. Yes, all of that, all of yeah. that. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there is uh, something with just the, the freshness of it where it's like, okay, I. I'd never heard of Sammy Guevara before I saw him face Kip Sapien. Um, I had never heard of uh, MJF, and now I want to just watch everything that man does because he is so good at tearing down the audience, which was is just so much fun. And, you know, I... I feel like Kenny Omega has a lot of the same kind of energies as... Uh, John Cena when he was at his peak where it's like it's it's so hard to hate that guy like you just you just want to give him a hug and like hope everything the best for him because he just he you can tell that he loves what he's doing he loves wrestling and it's just nothing but like it, it's positivity but not in kind of the obviously fake way that's created by marketers like he's just like a guy that like I don't know for he's just got the thing that you want to see him like triumph, but well, that's and, really important, right? That's what you want from your baby face right there. You want to know that you can support them and eventually they will reward that support. And also the fact that I think it's really smart of AEW to focus on looking different. I mean, uh, what was, was it fight for the fallen where they were kind of in like that proscenium arts? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Where it's it? like, I don't know if I've seen a wrestling pay-per-view like booked in a place that wasn't an arena. So seeing it kind of be like that, it's like, Oh no, like they're, they're trying like to look so much different than WWE and going to these different venues that you, I don't think would normally expect wrestling to be in. And it, it worked like it, you can tell it's like, okay, like, yeah, it looked so different. Obviously, like that's now going to like stick in my head because it looks different. And then and it may and it's more fun straight away, right? Because your yeah. eyes, the first thing that you use when you watch it, you're like, oh, this doesn't feel. Yeah, this feels brand new to me. Yeah, it, it feels new. It feels fresh, and I think that's what AEW's been really smart at doing. Is like really kind of. Looking for ways to set themselves apart from what everyone else seems to be doing, and cl clearly you have a guy like Jr. Best name ever, um, <laughs> and so since the fact that I wasn't really paying too much attention, like hearing him on commentary uh, again was just a lot of fun, and yeah, I don't know. AEW is just really hitting it out of the park, and as much as I'm loving it now, I'm so curious to see what what's going to happen with them down the line like when sort of the the fact that they're so new kind of is no longer there and you're now used to all of the players and you can start like really telling us like okay what is aew booking like like what what what's going to happen when we start being able to call out the tropes that they rely on so what do you want from all out you know, I think that's kind of a big deal now, given that it's the last big show we assume before we get to the the TV tapings in October. What do they need to do? What do they not need to do? You know, what's um, your kind of uh, your hopes and dreams? Uh, I don't know, because um, I I think just put on a good show, man. I like I don't think it's anything more than that. I I mean, 
everything has been kind of hitting it out on the park. Everything's been really working. Um, I mean, obviously, like, there's a few things, I think, that were slight stumbling blocks. Like, I don't, I don't think we needed a chair shot to the head. And, uh, but... I'm mostly I'm just like, you know what, man, I, whatever they're going to do, I'm just kind of excited for it. I I mean, I can't really remember what the card is supposed to be necessarily, but I th- I, I think uh, the best stuff that they've been doing is using each show to set up the next one. And so I think yep, it's true. Yeah. At, at the end of All Out, I want to see I want to know what the feeling is of the TV show is going to be. I want to, I want to end being like, okay, here's our main rivalries. Here's our main factions going into the start. Here's, here's what we're going to be going forward. I think that this is kind of going to be like, like in the theater world, uh, you have previews before your opening night and i think all of these pay-per-views so far have been kind of the previews to what we're going to do and this is kind of the big opening night spectacular since it's going to be what leads us uh right into the actual tv show i i, I think mostly yeah just just set up what your product's going to be week in and week out dude i couldn't have said it better myself and i think it's quite an exciting uh i think it's quite exciting all around it's, it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan would be uh, would be my big takeaway uh, from all of this. And on that note, on that very positive note, JR, I'm going to thank you for your time. I like that. See, look, we got <laughs> who, who thought we were going to talk about Marvel and WWE on this week's episode of the show? I didn't. And then JR brought it to the table. And I genuinely do think there's, well, I guess it's that classic, you know, you get to the top of the mountain and eventually you got to fall. And then how do you climb back up that mountain, right? Exactly. It's a, it's a constant question. It's not, it's, it's not easy. And even harder when you do have other people coming out of the woodwork in this sense being AEW. Like imagine DC came out of nowhere now. People are like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what is this? But um, it is, it's, it's fascinating. And we will, we will see what happens, man. A couple of weeks away from SummerSlam and obviously all out. And, and then we move into the TV tapings in the same week where SmackDown goes to Fridays and AEW debuts on a Wednesday. I tell you, the end of 2020, when we get to WrestleMania next year, it's going to be like we're living in a completely different world. And boy, howdy, I say, I say, bring it on. JR, thank you very much for your time. Is there anything else you just want to throw out there or promote or pimp before uh, we say goodbye? Don't have to but yeah. I like to offer people the opportunity. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, if anyone is in the New York City area, I am going to be tabling at uh, FlameCon, the big LGBTQ convention on August 17th and 18th. How very cool, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, my first self-produced comic. I'm going to be selling my, surf- my first self-produced comic there. Um, it's a big, fun comedy romp, so come check it out. Come say hey to me, and uh, I don't know if you want to pay more attention to what I'm going to be doing, because I'm going to be releasing a lot of other stuff in the near future. Um, it's jrwrite, W-R-I-T-E dot com, or just find me anywhere on social media, J-R-P-O-K-L-E. Uh, and I'm there, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just 
I don't know, send me a friend request or follow me and I'll probably follow you back. So That's bad. I like that, man. Dude, when the, you, you kind of have some links and stuff to throw out there, make sure you tweet it at me and I'll retweet that, man. That's really cool. Will do, will really, do. really, really cool. Uh, but thank you so much and thank you to uh, everyone that does support me on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash simonmiller316. I couldn't do this without you, which is true. I really, really couldn't. You allow me to free up my day and ensure that I can ignore other projects to focus on this and we grow each and every week and I really, uh, I really appreciate that. I can also give me a subscribe to my YouTube channel, just search for Simon Miller or you can go to youtube.com forward slash the Miller Report rules on Instagram and Twitter at simonmiller316 and I do have some wrestling merchandise, simonmiller.bigcartel.com and also if you're in the London area tomorrow, that being August the 4th, come on down to the Bedford in Balham, London where I am making my London debut in a wrestling ring. I would love to see you there. There's a heavyweight tournament going on. I'm entering it and who knows, maybe I'll win Probably not. I lose all my matches, but maybe, <laughs> but maybe I will win this one. JR, thank you so much again, my friend. Have a good Friday. Well, for JR, everybody else have good weekends, and we will talk to you. Uh, the cake. I broke it. I broke the, the, the secret behind the scenes of when this is recorded and when it goes live. But I will talk to you all again next week. <laughs>